Hello, welcome to Talking Flutes. I'm Claire Southworth and it's Monday because it's Talking Flutes Day. And today I'm really delighted to talk to Janet Burnley in Scotland. Hello, Janet. Hello, Claire. Now, Janet is principal piccolo player of the Royal Scottish National Orchestra. And I think you've been there since 1984, Janet. I have indeed. <laughs> so you, we were both at college together and we you got your job almost as soon as you left college, I think. I did, yes. Yeah. Which is a, a great achievement. But let's go back a little bit because you studied at Lancaster University and I then did. did postgraduate years at the Royal Northern College of Music. What made you pick Lancaster University? Well, to be absolutely honest with you, um, I did actually apply um, to one music college uh, when I was 18, and that was the Royal Northern, uh, and I didn't get in. I'll tell you, Trevor told me later that I, am I allowed to, to say horrible words? Yes, anyway, I will do. Um, <laughs> Trevor said to me much later, he said, you sounded shit, Janet. I'm like, oh, thanks very much. Uh, he said, but I knew there was something I really wanted. You were really, I knew there was something to get there. But then you couldn't do anything else. You couldn't do anything else. You couldn't play the piano. You couldn't do oral. You could, I'd done nothing, absolutely nothing. And so um, he said, you couldn't do anything. So you didn't get in. So I said, well, it's just one of those things. But actually, Lancaster University agreed to let me come. I persuaded Trevor to give me a lesson, he said originally. Then I persuaded him to teach me for three years, so that's fine. Um, um, so they, they actually agreed to pay for the lessons from Trevor to let me go to the Royal Northern, and Trevor agreed to teach me. So that actually is why I went to Lancaster University, to be absolutely honest with you. Um, they let me in with an old piano as well, which is also what I needed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd say I didn't play piano well at all when I went to college either. I think I'd only started about six months before. <laughs> So, um, anyway, it's not done as any harm, has it? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. No, 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 no. No, no, I still can't play the piano. I'm terrible. I'm definitely <laughs> a one-trick pony, as they say. Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> okay. So, perhaps, Janet, we ought to say that professionally you work under a different name. I do, yes. So, Janet Richardson. Janet Richardson. Work under it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. That, that's like me, because my married name is Stamire which is a yeah. bit of a mouthful, but I work under my maiden name of Southworth, yeah. uh, which is sometimes what we have to do. Yeah, so I really quite like having both names. Um, I quite like the idea that I'm, I'm a professional person going into a workplace, but also that I have a kind of a life outside that home life, which is separate, uh, and I like that. And, and friends that are non-musicians in my own neighbourhood, which I really love and very much value. Yeah, so the only thing is, I find I get terribly confused, like with the bank, and when people want to talk to me about various things, and I get confused which name I might have given in, in the past, and what name they're expecting. Do you have that problem? I do indeed sometimes have that, and if I'm going away on tour somewhere, for instance, and there's passport issues, I've got both names in the passport, and then people book the ticket in the wrong name, and then my passport's in my married name, and there's a bit of that goes on. As long as you've got your name within the banking system, both names on every account, and then also both names on your passport, you, you can manage your way through it. Yeah, yeah, I've, I, had I the same, I've had the same problem at the airport, arriving in the wrong name, and didn't want to let me fly. Nightmare. <laughs> so, I know, visas and all that kind of thing. You get a visa in one name and your passport in another. No! <laughs> yeah, I know, dangerous stuff. So, let's get back to um, 
um, after your university days um, and you auditioned for the the Royal Scottish National Orchestra. Do you remember your audition? Yeah. I do indeed remember my audition very, very clearly. It was always uh, Vivaldi's Pick, Look and Share Tour at that time, uh, Second Movement and then one of the others and then a whole bunch of excerpts. Um, so I trotted off and did all that. But interestingly, um, the principal flute then at the time, Richard Chester, I had to sit on a seat just above the stage, two lines above the stage, uh, as quietly as possible and for as long as possible. So that was the cutest thing to ask me. It wasn't until I actually started to do a lot more piccolo playing. I hadn't, bearing in mind, I'd only had about 15 lessons, you know. So I was quite new at this kind of game. Um, I was, it wasn't until I actually got into the position and then I started to learn on the job, it has to be admitted, uh, that I realised that almost every piccolo part you've come across in the repertoire has very quiet, often high notes to hold and sustain, very controlled, very, very still. The end of chapter coach nine, the chapter ten, all these chapter six, all these big symphonies have got massively difficult, quiet playing to do. And so I'm kind of um, very mindful of all the things that Pat had said and the things I've learned from Trevor and Wave and all these people about um, diaphragm control, use of your diaphragm. And I kind of extended that and developed um, a way of using the diaphragm to support the sound such high sounds on the piccolo uh, and quiet, controlled entries, uh, exercises to, de to develop that so that you're not squeezing like mad your lips, so that your lips then maintain their integrity and they can, uh, you can do very good diminuendos and all this kind of thing. Um, and the, the, how that hard work is done by your diaphragm. So I've kind of developed a way and did it for myself initially, and then I've kind of developed that into my teaching um, to, to maintain this control. Well, that's fascinating. You should write a book, Janet. I know, I keep being told I should write a book, yeah. <laughs> One of these fine days and I've got a minute. <laughs> because piccolo is surprisingly difficult. And certainly I remember well, actually, struggling with it a lot. No. No, it's really, really not. It's re I promise you it's really not difficult. It's not rocket science. There are certain things that you have to develop, abilities and diaphragm control and uh, openness of sound, etc. There's a piece of cake. Okay. <laughs> glibly. Piece, piece of cake. All right, then. So do you still get nervous or anxious when you play some of these great works? You know, let's just say... Oh, cool. What about, let's say, Chike 4 always comes up in auditions? Do you get nervous? Oh, it does. Yeah, not for Chike 4, interestingly, no, I, I don't get, I, I really don't get nervous for Chike 4. Uh, it's one of those things you've got to get into a zone, you've got to get into Chike 4 zone. And uh, he, he, he who hesitates is lost. You've okay. just got to have a system of getting it stuck, um, which I do, and then you've just got to go for it. There's no, you can't, no hesitation. Yeah, for, for um, quite, I've just done a run of Shostakovich 10s and Shostakovich 9s um, succession there, thanks for that. And uh, yeah, that's quite challenging yeah and you do get a bit nervous of course of course there's something wrong with me if I didn't uh, they're very challenging parts but it's part of what you the skills you've got to I think develop the skills develop the techniques the need in order to be able to do those um, types of works without squeezing and being tense you know I think that having the technique correct in order to do that is what so important and diaphragm as far as maintaining these really quiet long notes and the, uh, it, you do have to have 
a good diaphragm support, relaxed playing to be able to do it well. For a long period of time, I'm not, I mean, I'm not talking about doing it for three years, five years, I'm talking 35, 40 years, being able to continually churn out these things at a high standard. Uh, and that is actually what the job is. <laughs> You've got, you know, I'm not interested in setting people up to be able to do it for a very brief period of time. You know, I want them to have a good, solid technique which will enable them to move forward in their professional life in a relaxed manner, you know, so that the technique is there ready uh, for these difficult parts. Right, so yeah, you've got to get your finger work done. Yeah. <laughs> the technical practice you've got to do for that. But there is a way of building it up, and Pat was very good at uh, showing me that one, and I do better than the same as she did. <laughs> yeah, we, we all have a lot to be yeah. thankful for in terms of Pat. This is Pat Morris. <laughs> oh, without a shadow of a doubt, yes. And her book is very well thumbed by all my students. Uh, you know, a marvellous, marvellous teacher. She was inspirational to me. Great. Yeah. Really good. Now, do you have, do you get to play your flute much? Oh yeah, yeah, of course. Yes, yes, yes. I do play my flute. So, not in my position is not just piccolo. I know some orchestras the piccolo player just plays piccolo, but no, 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 absolutely not. No, I play flute as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, every day. Yeah, in fact, I always um, start off my day with a flute warm up. I wouldn't dream of just launching into the piccolo i do a flute warm-up dynamics and the flute harmonics all these different things note endings endings you know all this kind of thing finger technique uh, diaphragm articulation blah 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 and then i do the same on the piccolo you know it can take you 15 20 minutes each instrument and then you kind of set ready to ready to go i wouldn't dream of just uh, rocking up and not doing a proper warm-up no yeah. So, uh, in which case yeah, then, to fail, yeah. <laughs> what um, what does a typical day look like for you? There is no such thing in my life, really. A typical day, no. <laughs> <laughs> my days and my weeks are constantly changing. I think uh, part of what we do in the music industry is you you need to be fairly flexible. Um, uh, in, in the way you look at life, you know, I've got wonderful friends who fit lots of social activities around my crazy schedule. They're wonderful, um, and I wouldn't be that man. And my wonderful husband, who also fits life around me, and my, and my lovely sons as well. So it is um, very varied. It, it, there is no such thing as a set week, even for me, you know. And I could be anywhere doing anything. Okay. So <laughs> sorry, what that's would, not very helpful. What would you say then is your favourite part of your job? Do you mean my teaching or my playing? Your, um, in terms of your playing, we'll come on to your teaching in a minute. In terms of your playing job. Oh, okay. um, oh gosh, I, I really enjoy touring now, which is great fun. Uh, I quite like going guesting with other orchestras, that's also great fun. Um, I like doing challenging programs and I also quite like doing lightweight programs because you can just have fun, you know, and not worry too much about what, about the music because it's great, you know, Star Wars and all this kind of stuff. So I like a whole variety of things. Um, yeah, no, I, mean, I enjoy everything that I do, to be right. honest with you. Well, there's so, all things. Uh, is, there a, <laughs> I don't is there a least favourite part of the job then? Um, I suppose driving back from Aberdeen in the winter is not <laughs> yes. a great bit, you know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you can always stay over and go to the pub, you know, so there's always a, uh, <laughs> a, a positive somewhere. I'm a, very, I'm a very kind of up kind of person, so I, I don't really have, um, I've always been up, you know, I've never, I've always been a, 
uh, glass half full kind of person. So I'm always very positive and about most things. You know? Yeah, I, I remember you always being very, very positive. And it's, it's interesting now that yeah. having both of us been at the Royal Northern, um, and I taught there for about 17 years, and now you've been teaching there for how long? Well, actually, I've been teaching the Conservatory in Scotland for a long time, like 27 years. Oh, my goodness. Uh, but the Royal Northern, um, I've been there now for three years, and I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Great fun. That's, that's wonderful. It's, it's nice to go back to where it all started. It really is. It's absolutely lovely. And, and actually, Susie Stonefield's still there in the office, which is absolutely astonishing and a wonderful lady she is, um, and keeps me in order. <laughs> no, I really enjoy it. And um, I teach with um, Jenny Hutchison. She also does some pickle teaching there as well, and she's an ex-student of mine, so that's lovely too, you know. Um, so, no, it's, I really, really enjoy my teaching very, very much. get a lot out of it, um, and I hope the students do as well. I'm sure. I'm sure they do. So, what advice would you give to aspiring piccoloists? Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Um, I think just aspiring players. Um, I think I, I didn't have the opportunity to go to music college um, to then get in, <clears throat> but I actually really fought hard for all the information that I got. Um, and I persuaded Trevor to give me lessons. He was going to give me one, and then I persuaded him to give me more. <clears throat> and I had three lessons, three years lessons. And I fought like mad to get piccolo lessons, went to the Northern, and I, I didn't, my course didn't um, cover piccolo lessons. And uh, I went and badgered Tim Brennan for Tim. I saw him actually um, on Friday at the RNCM Symphony Orchestra concert, which was lovely to see him. Um, and I pestered him and pestered him and pestered him to be able to get piccolo lessons. Eventually, he just said, Would you, somebody just give this girl piccolo lessons? So I think actually my my main <laughs> my main thing that I would say is that fight for your information. You know, don't miss your classes. You know. Pester your teachers. That's what they're there for. That's what they're paid for. Hassle them, you know, say, please could you help me with this? I can't do this. How do I get this better? What do with a shopping list to your lessons of things you want to get better? Make use of your time you've got there with them. Don't kind of uh, mess about. You know, you're only a couple of weeks at freshers, that's fine. Then just get on it. You know, it's an opportunity, a wonderful opportunity. Just fight for everything you can get. You know, I mean, that would be actually what I would say to anybody who's trying to do anything, really. You know, um, but particularly in the music business, piccolo players, yeah, work. Hard. You really do need to work hard. Take it seriously. Build it into your practice time. So do your flute warm up. I said to all my students, do your flute warm up. Absolutely. Do your piccolo warm up. Go and have a break. Come back. Do your lot of lot of flute practice. Then do some pickle practice and build it into your day so that you're always doing it because you have to be able to move from pickle to flute and back again, you know. So it's it's that as well, ability to do that. Try and connect them together. They are connected together. It's just the the super upper octave of the flute, you know. It's it's. Uh, but any problem you've got with your flute playing, it's like sticking a, a magnifying glass on it when you put it on the piccolo. No, absolutely. <laughs> so you have to have all the technical Yeah, yeah. All the have to be really well organised. And I thank Trevor a lot for that. And, and Kate Hill as well, who helped me at Ramsgate. You know, I mean, those those kind of things, getting your, your playing, all the technical aspects, all your ducks in line, so to speak, and then extending onto the piccolo, I think works really, really well. You know, I find yeah, that that's worked well advice. for my students. Really great advice, Janet. And I hope everyone can hear everything you're saying, okay, because, of course, we're doing this over Skype. And um, 
it's yeah. uh, the, 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 the reception isn't perfect, but I'm hoping everyone can hear. So that just leaves me one thing to ask now, which is really, what are your plans for the future? Well, interestingly, yes, I keep thinking maybe I should, uh, you know, diverge into that. I've started doing more classes, so I've did classes at the conservatoire here and in, in Manchester, but I've also been doing, I did one at Guildhall and Birmingham Conservatoire, and also, interestingly, over in um, Prague in the Hamu Academy, which is fascinating, absolutely fascinating. But I still enjoy everything, this is the thing. So, um it's difficult, isn't it? I, I like to skip off and go and play with other orchestras, which I did. I was with the Liverpool Phil last week. I really enjoy that as well, playing with different players and all the younger players coming through. It's great. I love it. Um, so, I know. I'm, I'm just juggling all the balls still and uh, thoroughly enjoying myself. Well, it all <laughs> sounds fantastic, it, I said, it all sounds fantastic, Janet. I mean, you've, you've had uh, such a successful career. And from my perspective, it always seemed that you really worked hard to get what you've got, and it paid off. And I think the best advice we can, we can give to, to all aspiring musicians, really, is that you get what you work for. I think you do. And I think possibly because I, I didn't come from a household that had lots of money, you know, I had to fight to get anything, you know, um, was that an older music centre was a place, it was free, the, the free Saturday morning centres, I think it's just a phenomenal opportunity for young people. That's where I grew up, I went there right through to I've been 18, uh, and it's a phenomenal, well, my, my, my lovely husband, and, uh, and it's still going really strong there, in fact I've got a student now at one of the conservatoires who's come through the same system as I did, and it's a wonderful piece of information for young people who maybe don't come from lots of money, I, don't, I didn't come through the standard route of a kind of specialist music school, etc, etc. And because I had to fight for all my information, uh, I think sometimes makes you more determined, actually, um, yes. if you can eventually get the information, which I duly did, you know. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's been an interesting road, and, I've, and I guess I will need to write a book. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. I, uh, it's on my list, to-do list. Well, that's what you need to do for the future, Janet. Look, it's been fantastic talking to you. Great career. Thank you. Um, I'm looking forward to the book, and, and thanks so much for talking to us. <laughs> lovely to speak to you, Claire. Lovely to speak to you. And you. Take care. Talking Flutes and Talking Flutes Extra are podcast productions by the Trevor James Flute Company. For more information, visit trevorjamesflutes.com.